Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, it's T with the UFOs Want to Tell You Something. So this time we're going to cover the Rua Zimbabwe case in 1994. This one's been a long time coming, and there's a new movie coming out, a new documentary. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. All right, guys, let's get it. So before we get started on the Rua case, I do have an announcement to make. I'm going to be taking a hiatus. Now, this is due to, well, fatigue with the phenomena. I have to go through so much as far as psychology, the physical effects on our bodies, whether people are actually experiencing alien abductions. I have to look at skeptical things. I have to look at pro-abduction things. It's a lot. That's on top of having a full-time job, a podcast, trying to run a website, writing a book, and trying to figure out how to get this roper pole thing going. It's It's just a lot, like I said. I've been doing this since September and gotten about 1,600 listens and I would say 60 people that like my Facebook page. Now while that's not a big deal, because again, I'm not looking to monetize off this, I would like my reach to be a little further extending. That isn't, that doesn't seem to be happening for some reason. I, I don't know whether it's the quality of my podcast, people just don't like hearing me talk, I don't really know what it is, but... The point is, I have fatigue for the phenomenon. I will always continue to research the phenomenon, but doing so many things at once with it, like running a podcast, working on a book, trying to figure out rope or stuff, and many other things, I I can only take so much, because it's just me. It's a one-man show. Now again, eventually I will be back. One of the issues that comes about is trying to figure out whether somebody actually was abducted or not. Whether this is actually happening. Now, I'm fairly convinced it has happened. To many abductees, I've heard their stories, I've heard the physiological effects on their bodies, the psychology behind it. I'm convinced that the phenomena is real. Through the works of Bud Hopkins, John Mack, Dr. Carla Turner, and many others. But dealing with the drama that goes behind it of actually trying to weed people out, figure out whether they're lying to you. It's just a lot. As well as briefly having my issues with MUFON and many other things, it's just too much. At least for one guy. Now through doing this, I've made a lot of friends and even a couple enemies so far. And actually, I'm okay with that part. Because when it comes down to it, first off, making a lot of friends is only a good thing. I'm not even a very people person. 
but I'm proud to say that I've made quite a few good friends. As far as the, as the enemies go, you know, it's, it has to do with some of them, I presume, wanting more of a bigger audience to even talk to me, or don't like my theories, or think I'm too abrasant, or even going after their organization a little bit. You know, this all happened this morning. When I was conducting a little research and I realized, my god, all the stuff I put out there, and we still have the same fucking dogma. And what I mean by that is, when I get on Facebook and I'm scrolling through and I see UFO occupants or demons or ultra-terrestrials or extraterrestrial or so many other ridiculous things without any evidence it just I realize that people aren't as skeptical as they should be for instance UAPs, or UFOs, cause physiological issues, radiation burns, conjunctivitis, a lot of other physical ailments and effects. Again, we'll take Debbie Cobble as a good example. Debbie Cobble's case, and the physical effects after her abduction, match up with the Delphos UFO case, and the physiological effects of what happened to that child. Those match up pretty closely. But other abductees, on the other hand, simply wake up with bruises. And that's about it, if that at all. I've even seen people try to fake that one. I spoke to one man recently who sent me an email. I asked him to take the abduction survey to make it easier on me. And he stopped talking to me. This was after he sent me pictures of bruises on his arm. Well, I'm sorry, but that's simply not good enough. Others I've tried to contact tell me that the aliens don't want them to talk to me. Or other things of that nature. Well, it's a little hard to conduct research when nobody wants to speak to me. It's, it's a lot. And I'm not going to join MUFON. Again, I have my issues with them. If anybody ever wants to know, you just shoot me a message on Facebook and I will let you know why. But I'm not going to deal with it. And I shouldn't have to rely on a research organization in order to speak to people. And I'm not going to. The fact of the matter is, this is an alien abduction podcast. And I am convinced that it has happened. Whether it is happening on the scale that people seem to think it is, I don't think so. Which is why we're going to conduct that roper poll. Or I'm going to try as hard as I can. I am more skeptical than I used to be. Now I will reiterate again, because I know people are going to bust my balls for it. The alien abduction phenomena seems to be real. But here's where the issue lies. 
we have people who muddy it up a little bit by going in there and either trying to lie about the phenomena or try to build something for themselves off of it. They'll have a dream that they know was a dream and try to say that they had an experience. When you question them on it, they give you no answers. They will argue with you and treat you like shit about it. Now, as far as treating me like shit, I haven't experienced that. But I look at every angle I possibly can. Now, a good example is I looked at a lecture by Susan Clancy, very skeptical on alien abductions. Again, when doing this, you have to look at the skeptical as well as the not skeptical. And what you find at the end of her lecture, which I will put on my Facebook, is that Susan Clancy received death threats. She had abductees or alleged abductees cussing at her and just walking out and being dickheads. Well, that's not how you should handle anything. You should try to prove that person wrong. Unfortunately, that's not what we get. As an alien abduction researcher, I hear everything I possibly can, both skeptical and non-skeptical. And again, what that has led me to realize is that there is a lot of people who think they were abducted that more than likely were not. Now, I thought I brought a little uniqueness to this, beings that I've had dreams like that. And realizing that they were just dreams. And realizing that I could compare that to somebody's actual abduction encounter. That seems to work very well, actually, to determine whether somebody's dreaming or not. As well as the other issues such as PTSD and such. But the point is, I am done with it for now. I'm going to focus on my book and the Roper Pool. I'm not going to invite people like Richard Dolan on, Alejandro Rojas, Travis Walton, Whitley Strieber, Terry Lovelace. Those are a couple of the people that just never got back, or well, a couple got back to me. Terry Lovelace and Travis Walton. And Linda Napolitano. They got back to me and said they couldn't. But some of them just left me hanging high and dry. Didn't care. They had read my messages and just never got back to me. And I find that sad. Because I'm not going to gain them more viewers or things like that. You should just want to help the research community. And unfortunately, we don't find that that much anymore. Recently, I've stumbled upon Goofon and Stephen Cambion of Truth Seekers and a couple other ones that really dig into some of these higher-up researchers and kind of call them out on their bullshit, and I do like that. And I would suggest you guys check them out because they're very informative and they call people as it is. The point is, I am stepping out of the podcast for now. Again, maybe I'll come back. I have no doubt about it. Because my research doesn't just stop.
and it hasn't since 2008 or 2010. I forget. I have it written down somewhere. But I will not stop my research. And I just wanted to let you guys know what's going on. Now with that, sorry about the rant. I hope you guys enjoy the Rua Zimbabwe case. Now I'm going to incite fair use on this because I'm teaching the public and you know I'm actually going to promote that documentary with this podcast. I hope you guys like it so I'm going to throw the trailer up real quick. Hundreds of people today phoned the ZBC saying they sighted an unidentifying flying object. It was a bright radiant light. I've never seen anything like it in my life. It was the absence of noise I didn't like. People from all over Zimbabwe were phoning the BBC to say, we've seen something weird. There were three of us that saw it. Myself, the co-pilot, and the pilot in the other aircraft. No wings, no nothing. Shiny over thing. Ariel School, 19th, September, 94. Could you tell me what you saw on Friday? This silver thing in amongst this clump of, of trees. We saw this black figure running. His, his face was like this, and his eyes were down here. I just thought it was some kind of alien from a different planet. When you looked at those children, they were absolutely credible. And, and whereabouts was it? In the trees over there. There was a big group of kids pointing and making a noise and shouting and screaming. The panic spread. Am I safe or am I not safe? And he's a Harvard psychiatrist. Meet Dr. John Mack, a believer in aliens from outer space. We came away convinced that an extraordinary event occurred here. I think they want people to know that we're actually making harm on this world. How did that get communicated to you? It came through my head. Somehow there was a message about pollution from the way he was staring. Yes. I was just a hard-ass journalist. I could handle war zones, but I could not handle this UFO thing. I mean, I never felt this could derail my career. The dean wanted to know, what is he doing? Angels, yes. Extraterrestrials, no. John is lost at this time. This journey is literally to pick up the pieces and put them back together. Oh, my gosh. I was right on the logs when it actually happened. We are the ones who drew those funny pictures. Something that I'll never, ever forget. I've drawn this again. That's how I usually kept it quiet. People think you're crazy. My husband doesn't even know about it. You feel so alone in society. Why is it that we tend to want to shrink this powerful phenomenon to our notions of reality rather than being able to stretch ourselves to expand what we know and to admit that we don't know. Would you like to see him again? Yes. And if you saw him again, what would you do? I'll ask him some questions. What would you like to ask him? I'll ask him what is he doing on Earth and what does he want with us? The incident first began in September of 1994. 62 school children were on mid-morning break 
ages 6 to 12. It varied. The incident occurred around 10 o'clock in the morning. The school was located outside of Harare in Zimbabwe, and the entire incident lasted around 15 minutes. While the adults were inside having a meeting, the children were outside playing during their break period, as I stated. The children then saw anywhere between one and four craft in the sky that then came down and landed. The craft then landed onto the ground in a small clearing with trees and a field of brush. This was just outside the school property. As the children watched, then the beings exited the craft. There were between one and four beings with large eyes and dressed in all black. The number of beings varies. They then approached the children, and while some of the children fled, some of the older children stayed, and they observed. Some of these children had received telepathic messages from these euphonauts, which were interestingly enough about environmental issues. After this, the craft lifted off and left. The children then ran inside and reported this to their teachers to no avail. The teachers had thought they were making the whole thing up. Some of the children went home and told their parents about the incident. And the parents went to the school the next day to meet the faculty. And then relayed to them what their children had told them the day before. That's when researchers Cynthia Hind had heard about this through ZBC Radio. And that next day, Hind went to visit the school and asked the children to draw what they had seen. Cynthia Hind had reported that the children shared the same story. Cynthia Hind had actually conducted this investigation and interviewed them before Dr. John Mack even had arrived. Now this is a good thing because it allows for parallels between their work. And it appears that the stories didn't change over time. One of the skeptical arguments is that this whole thing was mass hysteria. Although this doesn't seem to be the case because not everybody experienced the UFOs landing and seeing the entities. Some children just saw the UFOs. Some of them interacted with the intelligence behind them and some children saw nothing at all. Now one of the other skeptical things that I found was people saying that John Mack's interviews led to this telepathic communication but it appears that the children had reported that beforehand. So right there that kind of writes off the whole Cynthia Hines interviews were different than John Max. Now, after Cynthia Hind had conducted her interview, Tim Leach, a BBC Zimbabwe correspondent, visited the school shortly after on September 19th to film the faculty, the children, and Hind herself to find out what the story was about. Now, this was huge news at the time. This was extremely interesting. People know that for the most part, children are very honest. They're not going to lie like an adult would. They have nothing to gain from this. 
Now, shortly after, Dr. John Mack arrived with his research associate, Dominique. Her last name I can't really pronounce, so I'm just going to skip over that part. They arrived to do an interview with the children to talk about the experience. Now, again, I want to incite fair use because I'm going to play those clips for you. So you may hear some of the children themselves speak about the incident. Just south of Boston, in Martha's Vineyard, I met up with Dominic Kalimanopoulos. Dominique was John's research associate, research which took them all over the world. After John's first book was published, the question arose as to whether this phenomenon of extraterrestrial abduction was occurring outside of the U.S. as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Without exception, everywhere we went, people had experienced some of the classic abduction um, with the gray beings that is, has been so commonly reported in the States. We talked with a lot of individuals about their experiences, but there's something about talking with, you know, a group that has collectively experienced the same thing um, that is just more convincing and seems more legitimate. In the case where we spoke with young children who had experienced a visitation from two UFOs and the two beings who had hovered over their playground during recess. This was at a small secondary school outside, Zimba, outside Harare in Zimbabwe. And 60 children at recess had seen these two UFOs hover, two alien beings come out. And I even remember how one little girl described it to me. She said, it was as if they were kind of floating above the grass towards us or hopping across the grass towards us. And in this case, um, I remember John's voice very specifically as he asked one little girl. And these were very disciplined, sort of post-colonial, ch little children, um, different races with braids, very well-spoken. And John said, well, what would you call these beings that you saw? And she'd say, I'd call them aliens. I'd call them alien beings. In September 1994, over 60 children from this school in the suburbs of Harare, Zimbabwe, witnessed several objects landing and two beings coming out. Just over two months later, John and Dominique came to the scene to work with the children, their parents, and the teachers still suffering from shock. John, who essentially specialized in child psychiatry, devoted a great deal of time to interviewing the children. Something scared you, is that right? Yes. What, what scared you? The noise. What noise? The noise that we heard in the air. You heard a noise in the yes. air? What was it like? Like a roar or a buzz or a hum or what kind of a noise? It was like someone was playing a flute. It was scary myself. It was scary because you saw something yourself? Yes. Mm -hmm. I saw little objects hovering. It was quite big actually and then there was little ones all around it. We saw something silver and then we quickly ran to the loud to the logs and we saw a silver, silver thing and we saw a man standing next to it. Uh, what was it, what did it feel like when he was looking at you? I felt scared. It, it felt scared? What was scary about it? Well, I felt scared because I've never seen such a person like that before. Did you see the eyes? What did they look like? They were um, going like that. Where was the pointy part? Was the pointy part in here or was the pointy part out there? Up there. 
And what was the feeling when you looked at the eyes? Um, it was scary. Mm -hmm. And what, scary why? What made it scary? The eyes looked evil. Evil? Mm -hmm. And what was evil about them? Say what you mean by evil. It, the, it, it looked evil because it was just staring at me. With what? Staring at you as if what? As if to do what? As if it wanted to come and take us. As if it wanted to come and take you. That was the feeling you got? That it wanted you to go with it? Did you feel like you wanted to go with it? No. Did you feel, what was the effect on you when, when you felt it wanted to have you go with it? Well, I just um, walked away and I started crying. They came running up here in such a panic. And I mean, even if we had staged it, they could not have run all together like that. Even if we practiced it, I don't know how many times. <laughs> that they came up here like a living snake. And they just came, we were in a staff meeting and we just heard them screaming, screaming, ah, and then they were here, you know, and the child can't make that up. <laughs> I was very skeptical in the beginning as well. Um, I believed that they'd seen something, but I wasn't prepared to accept that it was anything supernatural or anything like that. But I think the consistency of, of what's been going on indicates that it was more than I was prepared to admit in the beginning. So both of them were running. One was running um, in the trees, and the other one was running, running across the ship, because mm -hmm. there were also trees here. Mm -hmm. The eyes were, were like more pointed as they came in toward the center of the yes. head, is that? No, more circular. And this was all black. All black. Now you've made pupils. Did they actually have pupils or yes, was the it the pupils were white. What? The pupils were white like that. And you saw white in the center? Yes, like that. Mm -hmm. Was he near the, uh, the silver object or was he far from? No, on top. On top of the silver yes. object. Okay. And um, did you look at him? Yes. Did he look at you? Yes, then he gave me the creeps, then I stopped looking. Gave you the creeps. Actually, in your drawing, you showed him standing up, didn't you? Yes, I had to draw him standing up because I couldn't draw him sitting. <laughs> <laughs> what I thought was maybe the, the world's going to end. Maybe they're telling us the world's going to end. Um, why do you think they might want us to be scared? <clears throat> Because um, we maybe because we never we don't look after the planet and the area properly. Mm -hmm. And uh, let me. This is. Is this an idea that uh, you have had before that we don't look after the planet properly in the air, or did this idea come to you when you had this experience? When I had this experience. Mm -hmm. And how did that idea come to you from this experience? This is a little hard, but try, try to be with me here, okay? When you, how did this idea come to you when you had this experience? I just felt all horrible inside. You felt horrible. At what point did you feel that? When you saw the craft or at, when you got home at night? Or when I got home. You had that horrible feeling when you got home? Yes. And say more about that horrible feeling, Lisa. What was it like? 
it was like in the world, all the trees will just go down and and there will be no air and people will be dying. Mm -hmm. And those thoughts came to you, had you had those thoughts before this experience? No. No. And did, how did those thoughts come to you? Did they come to you from the craft or from... From the man. The man. And the man, did the man say those things to you? Uh, how did he get that across to you? Well, he never said anything. It's just that the face is the eyes. What, what was the sense you got from those eyes? He was interested. They uh, describe these experiences or these events like a person talks about something that has happened to them. Uh, and when you're talking with a, a psychotic who's telling you something and it's a delusion and you feel that it really didn't happen, I can tell. I mean, I know this is something that person wants me to believe or they're frightened or they're distorting reality in some way. There's nothing like that here. These are people of sound mind by and large uh, telling me something that's very... they know that I might think they're crazy and so they're a little concerned about telling me and and they, they're very full of questioning themselves and doubt and I mean, the way, and then they describe something very real and intense, a light or something happened to their body. Or, uh, it, it, it's the whole quality of the way they talk about it is the way a person talks about experience that, that happened to them. John discovered that from Africa to Brazil, Australia to Turkey, all of the abductees described exactly the same beings. They were first depicted in 1977 in the film Close Encounters of the Third Kind. For the script, Spielberg took his inspiration from accounts by UFO experts and descriptions provided by abductees. Now these beings appeared on the big screen as a result of people claiming to have witnessed them and not the other way around. Certain traditional cultures have reported their existence for centuries. For example, Indians of the Amazonian rainforest dubbed these beings Ikuya, while they were referred to as the Mantidani by the South African Zulus. Now again, this is an extremely fascinating case. Were all 62 of the children making it up? Now I'm going to leave that for you to decide, but it doesn't seem to be the case. Again, if all of the children were making it up, then one thing you think you would see is one of them slipping up. We don't see that. They all stick to the same story. Interestingly, there seems to be the same stigma in relation to UFOs as there is over here in America. You notice that from the trailer when the woman said she hadn't even told her husband about the experience. Now again, one thing I am super interested by is to find out whether some of these people were abductees or not. Now, another one of the arguments that I have heard from the skeptics is more or less that these children were influenced by television. Well, really, at the time, I think X-Files had just really got kicking off, 
and I highly doubt that over in Rua Zimbabwe they had X-Files. Prior to that, really, the only alien that children would be familiar with is from the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Now what you notice is, and that's why I hate this argument so much, is that the entities that are reported from the children are different than the ones from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Anybody who has seen that knows that at the very end you have aliens that pop up in Close Encounters. They have little tiny teeth and human looking eyes. They're larger but their mouths open. Well, with abduction and UFO reports, that doesn't fit the same model. For the most part, their mouths seem to be vestigial and their eyes are usually black. In that movie, they had no clothing. In this incident, of course, as I stated, it varies, but for the most part, skin-tight black uniform. In one case, long black hair. And as the talk that I put on my prior podcast stated from John Mack, just because somebody sees something on TV does not mean that's going to influence anything. So if somebody sees somebody with PTSD on television, they don't all of a sudden get PTSD and acquire it through those means. Now, some of the children must have been familiar with aliens to a degree. Because that's what they thought they were. But on the other hand, there were some other children who, again, thought they were demons who were out to get them. It's interesting to see that. Because that means that this... It just adds a little more validity to it. I guess. Because they don't see something come down from the sky and just assume that that's an alien. They still think it's a folkloric demon of their cult, of their culture. And one of the first things I notice is that while similar, the crafts and the entities that are reported by the children have some differences. Now what this implies to me is not that they're lying, because they do not appear to be, is that, in fact, whatever was going on was playing on their perceptions a little bit. For instance, one of the little girls saw an entity with long black hair. Another one reported a black cloak. Some reported your typical alien. Actually, for the most part, going over these pictures, you do find that. They all look just like your stereotypical alien, for the most part. And what I mean by playing on their perceptions is, again, in alien abduction lore and ufology, these abductors can speak to you through your mind, which, again, I attribute to almost a biological neural link that could interact with our own brains in some way. 
Now leading off of that, if they're able to do that, I theorize that it is possible to alter the perceptions of the abductee or person being contacted as well. We find this rich within abduction lore, with screen memories for an example. This allows the person or person being contacted to feel a little more comfortable, or even in the case of Barney Hill, demonstrating an authority figure in the terms of the Nazi or the Irishman to make him feel as if he needs to act better. Now the same could be said for the craft. We notice that all of the craft are pretty much your disc shape. There's no triangle or square in there. I find that interesting as well. Now John Mack looked this over and he didn't think the children were lying. He did an interview with them as you know. He had them draw the pictures and he determined that they were telling the truth. Now most of these children didn't appear to think that they were extraterrestrial but rather a demon which is within their lore. So when you look into this case it's very convincing. It's convinced a lot of people. Now, one of the things I wanted to point out that you notice, and this is well within the UFO lore and alien abduction lore, the two go hand in hand, that in fact, they had a warning to not destroy the planet. Now again, this is rich within the lore. And I find it interesting that it popped up here. This gives it more of a genuine tone, in my opinion. Now before the movie comes out, if I recall correctly, because I haven't seen The Phenomenon by James Fox, I believe that a couple of these kids were actually alien abductees as well. Now why they would want to drop down in front of a school kind of confuses me. It is a good way to gather attention, I will say that, because anybody who has children knows that, in fact, children aren't going to be able to hold a lie like that, not 62 of them. It's going to fall apart, probably within a day or two actually, but instead their teachers were fairly convinced, and their families. Overall, what I make the case is it's very credible, and I can't wait to see that documentary when it comes out. Now with that, I'm going to leave you guys. I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank the Ghoulies for Hot Rods from Outer Space. I just want to let you guys know I will be back. It may be a couple months. It may be a while. I don't know. Again, I have other things I want to focus on as well. But I do want to thank you guys for listening. If you'd like to contact me, just hit me up at theufos at yahoo.com and shoot me an email. Feel free to get on my website abduction enigma at webador.com and take the abduction survey anyway. 
watch the vlogs because I'm going to put some more out. I've been working on a couple already. Just a lot. Or shoot me a message on Facebook. But I'm not going to be doing this for a little bit. I just want to let you guys know that. So this is T signing off. And just remember the UFOs want to tell you something.